0: This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, we're going to replay a Carathon interview with Dr. Jerry Cox, Professor Emeritus of Sociology at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. He also served as the Director of the Center of Death, Education, and Bioethics. He has over 90 publications. Dr. Cox talks about marital relationships after the death of a child. This show was originally aired... April 5th, 2013. So now, here's our Carathon host, Ken Billinger, interviewing Dr. Jerry Cox.
1: The International Sociological Association, Phi Kappa Phi, and the Plain Sociological Society and the Association of Death and Education or Death Education and Counseling. Wow. That's a, that's, a, that's a mouthful. And he serves on the board of directors of the National Prison Hospice Association. We'd like to welcome this afternoon Dr. Jerry Cox. Welcome in. I don't know if you remember me. We used to, okay, uh, we, we did. I said I think the last time I saw him we were probably working at the scores table yes. together. Was that at the football games or, or basketball at Fort, at Fort Hayes, okay. And uh, we welcome you in this afternoon. It's great to see you. you and, too. And we appreciate uh, you taking some time to share. We're going to talk this afternoon on marital relationships after the death of a child or a spouse. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, Hayes is no uh, it's no stranger to you because yes. you
2: spent time here at Fort Hayes State University. How long were you here? I taught 17 years at Fort Hayes from 1977 to
1: 1994. Okay. And, yes. Uh,
2: uh, this week on
1: divine mercy radio we 've been celebrating marriage, so can you tell us uh, let 's talk first off about some issues parents deal with in the sudden death of a child and as Jonetta okay, sure. may have told you uh, we 've experienced that ourselves i don 't yes. know if she mentioned yes, that she so, did. so i i would be uh, you know, interested to hear and if you would share with yes. our audience
2: okay when a child dies, uh Rabbi Earl Groman said years ago when I was first getting in the field that your when a child dies, your future dies. Your, your parents is your past, your spouse is your present, and your children are your future. You don't expect your children to die before you do. Uh, we were talking before I came in here about the movie The Way. When your child dies, your world changes forever. You've lost hope for the future as well as your future. The children aren't supposed to die before we do, and we take them for granted sometimes, mm-hmm. and then when they die, it just devastates us. Probably the hardest thing for anyone would be to have a child die. I, I can't think of anything that would be worse. You relive the death over and over. You try to think, what could have I have done differently that would have changed it? Um, our oldest son is a priest, and he had a car wreck. He was hit head-on by a semi, and uh, the engine ended up beside him, and they had to use the jaws of life to get him out. Wow. And every time I passed that place, he lived, he, he was fine, but he could have easily died. Sure. Every time I pass yeah. that, I think of that. You know, and you'll think about the instances of how your child died or whatever the rest of your life. You never get over a death of a child. You learn to live with it, mm-hmm. which is different. And the problem with marriages and Earl Groman, the rabbi, suggests, and a lot of others, that as many as 90% of people divorce after the death of a child. I, I hope they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the things that they all point out that I think is important, people of faith who have strong marriages don't end up divorced because they draw on each other's strengths. Mm -hmm. And if you already have a bad marriage, you know, this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Sure, sure. It's a great point, and
1: and it's amazing because everything you said, everything you said is right on. And I just can say that Mm -hmm. from experience.
2: And the other problem is that men and women don't grieve the same way. Men are strong. (laughs) They're more silent. Wives like to talk it makes you feel closer. Men like to be quiet because it makes them feel closer, and it just doesn't work well. And often the father gets stuck, well that's not the right phrase, but gets the responsibility of taking care of the plans to the funeral, dealing with relatives, calling people. The mother has more freedom to grieve, typically. And so the father grieves six months, a year later than the mother, and she thinks, what's going on? Is he having an affair? Uh, you know, why is he acting weird? He's acting weird because he's grieving finally and he, he delayed it. And did you do that?
1: Yeah, everything you're saying is really much spot, pretty much spot mm-hmm. on. Um, and it's just kind of it's, it's interesting because certain things hit you certain ways. but it's when you talked about grieving differently and, and mm-hmm. I'll share this and I've shared it before, but shortly after Blaine passed with I had confession with our pastor, Father Tom Tank, mm-hmm. who's an incredible guy. But after the confession, basically, he said, you know, he asked how, how I'm doing and asked how Patty's doing. And he said, let me give you one piece of advice. He said, if I can, he said, this is very important. And, and I'll never forget it, of course, but he said, understand that Patty is going to grieve differently than you. Mm-hmm. And I uh, talked about the fact that just yes. the, the bond between mother and child, car- you know, carrying him nine months, and it mm-hmm. was probably the ve- best advice I could have gotten. And mm-hmm. that I say that to guys because I say that's the power
2: of reconciliation. Yes. There's more to reconciliation than just confessing. sins So, so yeah. 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 And in fact, um, it's not uncommon to go to confession and say, "I'm having a problem with my wife because of my grief," and then you get that kind of advice. Sure. So I think sure. it is something we should do in reconciliation. Yeah, great point. Talk about problems in our marriages, yeah. uh, whatever they are, including grief. Absolutely. Yeah. A great yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously that's part
1: of what we're talking about today, men and women grieving, and that can tear a marriage apart. And I think, mm-hmm. I know you'll probably talk about it because the thing I keep hearing from some is just because we do grieve mm-hmm. differently.
2: Yes. So. And, and the other issue that is to me very big in terms of uh, having grief in a family or your family' systems. Some families are open, they communicate they have a lot less trouble, others have a lot of secrets you know we don 't say things in front of grandmother because we you know don 't upset her or whatever. You have all sorts of reasons to have secrecy or if you have a conflicted or a strange relationship, um, you haven 't spoken to your whoever in your family for months or years. That's going to be an issue. And if they die while you're estranged, then that makes it even worse. If it's your child that you haven't talked to, think of how much harder that is. And then the um, family support. Is your family supportive or are they just sort of there and you visit them at Christmas and whatever? Uh, If you have a strong extended family, grief is much easier to manage. And, of course, the thing I want to talk about also is the church and how the Catholic faith helps us with our grief if we let it. But not everybody does. But anyway, the... The way the, the person was in the family, if it's a really young child, it's very different than if it's a 30-year-old or 40-year-old. I remember my father-in-law died in a snowstorm back in 1979 in Illinois, and his mother was uh, over 100, and she had to deal with the loss of her son. Even though he was himself fairly elderly, mm-hmm. it was still a great tragedy. It doesn't matter how old they are, it still right. hurts. you know. Right. But we always think of the death of a baby as being worse. I don't really think it is. I think whatever the age, it's just as hard. I I, I would agree with that again. Okay. I mean, Blaine was 29. Was he really? Yeah. Oh my! I didn't realize he's that
1: old. Yeah, he okay. was, and and oh. that was just it was just uh, about 18 months ago. So, really? In September oh. of 2011. So oh. But what I I know when Donetta we talked about this that you were mm-hmm. coming in. She said, "Are you comfortable doing this?" I th- <laughs> I said, "I think it'll be great." Mm-hmm. Um, just from the standpoint of I can certainly relate, and it's just amazing how. Everything you've said. If if you don't think Dr. Cox knows what he's talking about, he does because it's been spot on so far, no doubt.
2: Well, good. No doubt. I think uh, having faith or spirituality is, is very important to, to manage grief. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we don't get over it; we just learn to live with it. And the the question I always ask people when they're grieving with the death of a child: Would your child want you to be happy, or would they want you to be miserable? Would they want you to go on with your life, or just to quit? And clearly, if they loved you, the answer is they want you to be happy, to have joy, and to experience your life. Right. And I'm sure Blaine would have too. Right. And that, yeah. yeah and, and I, you're right about church community too. It's been,
1: it was, you mm-hmm. know, without our, we have a big family. Both, mm-hmm. both families are big, and and just the fact that uh, we have a great parish community, it was, it was amazing because we're blessed with big families on both sides blessed with a great parish community mm-hmm. in Overland Park and then back here where we where yeah. we grew up in Victoria mm-hmm. so it, we kind of had the best of both That's in great. That sense yes. and that mm-hmm. was uh, very important to us so.
2: the one thing about the catholic church is different than other religions that i, I uh, just finished writing a chapter for a book on this very topic about the catholic church for hospice volunteers and how it's different than protestants uh, working with with hospice mm-hmm. and one of the big differences is the priest as opposed to a minister uh... the priest come and go, and if they're a bad priest, well, you wait, you'll get a better one. you know uh, it's not a call to the minister, and so if if the priest isn't charismatic, they're a teacher, and I'm sure if we went around the area here, we'd find priests that you know their sermons aren't very good or we don't get much out of them, but they do a good job in other areas. We right. don't all have the same strengths right. anyway. the point is priests come and go, some are charismatic, some are popular, some are not, but the point is it's the community, not the priest. And it's the people in the pews that were your greatest right. support. Right. And I know uh, when I was going to St. Joe's here in town, that was my family. It wasn't just my church. And the people there supported me. And I still come back for funerals for people from there that I, when I hear about them. Sure. And we have a communion of saints. The one difference between the Catholics, well, uh, there are several differences, but one difference between the Catholics and other groups is that the dead are still with us. When I was a young child, a, a lady across the street's husband died, and she said, "There's a new saint." That was the first thing she said to me, and you know, I found out it was her husband. You know, mm-hmm. and then when I first started teaching, a young kid I had I taught fifth grade my first year, the fifth child of 10's father died at age 39, and I got the job of telling him, which is probably where I started <laughs> researching and studying this so I could do a better job. Sure. But his his mother came into the room and said, "There's a new saint." And Catholics do that. They believe that the dead are with us. Is everybody you love in this room?
1: No.
2: No, and you can still love them. Even if right. Blaine you still love, right. I'm sure, well, too. Absolutely, yeah. You have to. Yeah. And Catholics focus on that. We also have a long history of helping people in the Catholic Church. And I'm sure people brought food over and mm-hmm. they said masses and all kinds of things. Sure. That's support. Is tremendous and it's very important. Sure. And I'm sure now that you've experienced it, you do it with other people more yeah, than you did yeah, before. Yeah,
1: we always do, absolutely. Sure. Talking with Dr. Jerry Cox this afternoon and talking about marital relationships after the death of a child. And, and uh, of course, you talked about the church and the importance of the church. What's, uh, obviously, still can come back to that. But what are some of the issues that cause problems in families with grief?
2: There it, it of course again the systems of the family, whether they have secrets and all those kinds of things are a major part of it. But if you just don't communicate and you don't share, life is a journey and if you don't take the journey together, if you take it separately, you're gonna grow apart. And so you have to support each other and, and be there for each other. The problem is we get so wrapped up in ourselves mm-hmm. we forget about the other people. Yeah. And when you're I'm sure when you went through your grief, you thought a lot about what you were going through but at the same time you probably cared a lot for what your wife is going through and and that's what saved your marriage if it was just me then it's not going to work yeah yeah and that's why that I th- that's why I say that advice was so important to me
1: because mm-hmm. you know there were times and I I just I just learned that I need to be 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 very patient with that yeah that was the other thing again that that advice mm-hmm. was really so beneficial to me and because sometimes I think that's exactly what happens to your, like you yeah. said.
2: I just kind of, it's about me and not really <laughs> understanding what <laughs> Patty was sure. going through. Sure. And the worst thing is, if we have other children, we neglect them. And the children are left to grieve alone. Uh, Donetta mentioned that her brother died when she was 11, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually we just, well, they're young. They don't need, you know, they need help as much as you do, too and we typically neglect them. The first thing that we should do as, as a priest or as an adult working with the family when someone's died is to get the children in there too. And the question that I hear a lot is, should I take my three month old, six month old, whatever to the funeral? The funerals are for the living. And if they're part of the family, they ought to be there too. And part of the problem is we, we don't think of it as a group, we think of it as individuals. And so if as a family we're a group, and we include everybody, hmm. it's a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I, thinking back, uh, just on on our family, my my parents, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I think all the grandkids were there, and, yeah, uh, no they, matter how young great. they were. Yes, so, they should right. be. And then, as far as we talked a little on the church's approach. To, approach to grief and and the aiding of grieving parents, Mm -hmm. obviously just having that church community is so powerful. Like you said, even with the priest, fortunately we have an incredible pastor, uh, but but our parish community um, there, our parish community back in Victoria was uh, Mm -hmm. just uh, phenomenal for them. Great. So,
2: um, any other thoughts on on, on the church community? Yeah, there are a lot of things. Uh, If we look at the life and death of Jesus, I mean, Jesus cried. He uh, shed tears, he, he had fears before he died. He asked, can you take this away from me? I don't want to go through this, but he did. And what, what I, I think death is a lesson. It teaches us what's important. And I'm sure you now have a different perspective on what's important. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't the big house or fancy job or car or whatever. It's people. Yeah. And it's the person in the front car that's most important. And so we, we learn a lot by doing this. The other thing that the Catholic Church teaches that's a little bit different, instead of trying to save your soul when you're dying or instead of trying to get you to repent, they don't judge. And the judgment isn't for us. It's between you and God. And so the the real focus is on your relationship with God, not condemnation, not judgment. The Church teaches that even evil people can go to heaven. And Blaine was not an evil person, so you know where he is. And that's very comforting, I think. And you don't get that in all the religions that are around. And Gethsemane, if you think about what Jesus went through there, that's what we're going through. Except it's not for us, our death, it's someone else's. And he got through it, and he's a model. And I I would argue that if we would be like Mary, you know, she went to the cross when Jesus was crucified, she cried, and yet she had hope. And he said, this is your son, uh, John, Mm -hmm. and... uh, she was able to to keep going. Jesus is a model for Catholics, I think, in the way he died and the way Mary managed it and so forth.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great, absolutely great point. As far as, you know, how couples can do things to help one another in their own particular grieving process, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Obviously, again, for me, just,
2: you know, understanding that the the grieving process is different, that was huge. And being willing to listen, sometimes it really hurts to hear what, someone else is saying. um, When we first moved to Hayes back in 1977, uh, my wife was pregnant, we met another lady here who was also pregnant when we came out for the interview. Mm -hmm. When we got here, we'd had our baby and we asked the other lady about her baby and she said, oh, it was a boy. But then she told us it died at birth. She was willing to share the joy of our baby even though her baby had died. And that's what we have to do as husband and wife. We have to, even in our hurt, give the other person joy and that's not easy but we need to do that and as hard as it is for you to listen to other people talk a lot when you don't want to talk you want to be alone that's something we have to do as men to listen to our wives and wives have to honor your silence uh... if you were an apache it wouldn't be an issue because the apache talk about the silence of words in other words the best words are the ones you don't say Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't have this problem like we do in, in our culture but the point is, we learn more from our failures than from our successes. And so if we, if we would think about the worst thing that could happen to you today, it's already happened because your son's already dead. And so if it's his birthday, the anniversary of the death, whatever, Christmas, it doesn't really matter, you know you can make it because you've done the worst thing. And with your wife, there's nothing ever going to happen in your marriage worse than this. And you, you're together, so you know if you're positive about it, it'll work. Yeah. And it's the attitudes that are the biggest thing. It's
1: interesting because we talked about that. Uh, she, again, she says that She said that we can't experience anything worse no, than this. No, you can't. And uh, so that is an interesting point. The other part is, again, it's, it's just amazing because everything you're saying is just <laughs> what I've experienced. But the fact that, you know, it's it's like sometimes I don't know what to say, so I am silent. I just, mm-hmm. I but I do, I just sit and listen. But... Um, I really sometimes just don't know what to say, and that's a tough thing, too. And that's so.
2: very common for men. Yeah. And I have the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. the, the other thing that, that's a problem in many marriages is that, I don't know what the right word would be, but we sort of sanitize the dying and death process. We have professionals, hospitals, uh, funeral directors. Everything is done for us. If you have a baby die, sometimes they don't even let you see it. They take the baby away, whether it's a boy or girl. I think if we could dress our dead child, if you could have some part in it, not just bring them clothes, but anything you could do would help you to say goodbye in a way you couldn't if it's all done by somebody else. And so I've I've encouraged people to do that. One of my very good friends who has been in this field for years and years and years, died recently, and I went to his funeral and we literally dug the hole and lowered the, the casket in, mm. put flowers on top and then put the dirt on. The people did that, you know, not the the, the back hole and all right, that stuff. Right. And it, it was so powerful. It was very difficult. I mean, not not the physical part, but you know, emotionally. Everybody was crying as they were digging and and a lot of people, you know, did four or five shovels and others did more. But the point being it was a way to say goodbye, to do one last thing for our friend Jack, mm. and it had so much meaning. So if you could dress your baby or bathe it or or whatever, it's just so meaningful later. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that um, they're doing now, which I wouldn't have recommended years ago, but it seems to be very positive, is taking pictures. And now they even videotape them and so forth. And some funeral homes do that for you and give you the the disc or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually powerful, too, because I find that when I go to a funeral of somebody that I really care about, I don't remember anything hardly. I don't remember who was there, what the priest said, or anything else. And if you have it, you can watch it, and then, oh, gee, I didn't know they were there, and and you can hear the words, and then Mm. now they you can actually listen to them this time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's,
1: and I know there's. uh, You talked about. uh, I'm trying to recall the point you made before. Hopefully, we'll come back to be it. No, it's okay. (laughs) It's just something I was thinking about as you were talking, but but um, again. Please continue on if there were some other things you wanted well, to Well, the
2: other thing that strikes me in families today that I wouldn't have said 10 years ago either, all the um, social media, I think that's the word they're using to describe them, iPods and all mm-hmm. that stuff, Facebook mm-hmm. and whatever, we don't talk as much. I mean, we, we talk. I, I was visiting some friends recently. She was sitting in one recliner and he was sitting in another. They were talking to each other on their computers, not, even though they are sitting next to each other. I just find that amazing. Yeah, I don't know how you can deal with grief with an iPad or whatever. I, yeah, I just think you have to, like we're doing right here, sure, looking sure. at each other. And,
1: and, and that's interesting you bring that up because <laughs> I, I know that there's. I see it's like you are you uh, with nieces and nephews. Are you guys just texting each other? You're five feet away, <laughs> yeah. and we kind of joke about that. But the uh, the one thing that I think about um, with that with the with social media, for example, Facebook, and that's one that comes to mind. The, I guess there if there's an advantage to that for us when we have family uh, for example my mom mm-hmm. we and the other thing that happened just just about three years ago now was my I, we lost I lost my mom um, in in March of 2010 and then patty's mom just uh-huh. five months later but there was when it was really kind of the start of Facebook, at least for us, but we were able to say, you know, kind of share it with family. Yes. It was nice to get those um, those condolences, you know, mm-hmm. via Facebook, but and, and you, you realize how much support is out there. That's, I, I, I think, if there's a good side to oh, it, I, that's probably it. But yeah, to your point, is that face to face communication, we've kind of lost that mm-hmm. uh, along the way.
2: My father died recently, and I got hundreds, literally, of, of people on Facebook you know, giving their condolences and such. Mm-hmm. And another friend just died in Germany that uh, was in death and dying that I've known for years, too. And his children sent out all these pictures and things. And then they actually did the uh, funeral. We could watch it live on the computer. Really? Which So I didn't have to go to Germany, which yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> and we couldn't have done I mean, there are some great things about the sure. Absolutely, I agree. But okay. we we got to keep the human, too. You bet. Yeah, yeah. I, And I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. that face-to-face is so important.
1: Um. So any other, any other comments on how couples can help each other during yeah, the grieving
2: process? I think one of the things is to be a good model. Uh, we, we teach whether we mean to or not. If I'm one of those people who complains about everything, who says bad things about everything, about uh, the government, about Democrats or the president or whoever, what am I teaching? I'm prophesying doom and bad things in the world. How are our children going to be positive? How are they going to, to be productive people who enjoy life it it isn't so much i i I guess i would say that to be a good model we have to be a good person have you heard the phrase the good die young yes okay do you know what that really means what it means is you're one of those people no matter if you were 150 you're too young Mm -hmm. because you make people happy you made them feel good when you're around i remember one of my cousins was dying with leukemia um this was many years ago he was this actually older my one of my parents because i have first cousins older than my parents on both sides of the family but anyway, any rate i went to cheer him up he cheered me up and i can't help but smile when i think of him but we all have that miserable aunt or somebody in our family no matter what you you know oh, they made you feel badly whatever you gave him for christmas it wasn't good enough no matter what you did you didn't visit long enough or often enough
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah if you're one of those good people when you die people smile yeah and I think that's what we need to think about. Are we one of the good people? Will our wife or our husband smile when they think of us when we're dead? Or will they think, oh, he's always grousing, complaining, right? Uh, right. you know, hating the president and whatever. It doesn't matter which president. I mean, right. there's always somebody that hates them. Sure. As Catholics, how we live and die is a lesson to others, and how we grieve is, too. If you grieve sharing with your wife, your children will learn that, and they'll be better when they become spouses and so forth And Mm-hmm. I just think how we live is so important. You, you made another point there. I was thinking about that, too, with Blaine.
1: He was, he was, a, he was a character. He, he, <laughs> he liked to tease family mm-hmm. members, and yeah. that was the thing that was talked about most mm-hmm. you know, afterwards is you yeah. know, we'll miss him teasing and those type of things.
2: So, and you can smile. Yeah, exactly. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have people in my family, when I think of them, I feel badly because what did I do to make their life so miserable? They chose to be that way. I didn't do it. Yeah. But I still take a lot of the blame, and I'm sure you do too. With yeah. some people, yeah. at least with Blaine, you didn't. That's yeah. good. That's one yeah. thing. He was uh, yeah. he was fun. I mean, yeah. he, he loved. Uh, and I hope they say that about you. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Too. I always thought uh, you were fun. But, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, one thing I was gonna uh, uh, kind of get your thoughts on. Yeah. and This is just sure. reflecting back on when uh, you know when this after this all happened and we had uh, the wake service and everything. People came in and. The thing, the most common thing I heard, obviously, it's one thing when you lose a parent, and a lot of people mm-hmm. have lost a sure. parent, so they can relate to that. When it comes to losing a child, that percentage has dropped quite a bit. Yes. But the, a lot of what people said was, you know, started saying, I just don't know what to say. And I felt like, <laughs> for me, it was like I wanted to take the onus off them. So I said, I, I wouldn't know what to say either. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad you're here. That means the world. And that's kind of what I almost felt like that was my responsibility. Mm I don't know if that's strange or not, but I just wanted to put them at ease, like saying I wouldn't know what to say either.
2: And and I wouldn't either, even though I've I've written about how to to say things and people are grieving. But Mm -hmm. the the point you make is is the, the point that I would make. The most important thing is being there and maybe say, I don't know what you should say either, but just give me a hug. Mm-hmm. unless your person who doesn't like hugs. No, I don't mind that at okay. all. Okay, <laughs> that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, and I would say that, um, and again, with the social media, one of the things that uh, my rabbi friend, Earl Groman, and then Harold Kushner, who wrote When Bad Things Happen to Good People, he didn't say if, he said when bad things happen to good people, because they do. Mm-hmm. And his son Aaron died with Pejoria. I used to run, literally, I'm a runner, with both rabbis when i go to Boston, I'd run with them. And they both have said that The one thing you should always do when someone dies is actually take a pen or pencil or whatever, write a note and send it. You can also email them, use Facebook, but the personal note shows you care. Where the other, well, I can just type that real quickly and it doesn't matter if I care or not. And so if you get a written note, you know the person cared. And I think that's why we say masses for people because you had to go to a little extra effort to do that. And if you did, you must have cared. And there are a lot of ways to do it. It doesn't have to be a letter. I think masses, saying masses for someone is is a way. Um, Bringing over casserole. I mean, Darcy Sims, who's a dear friend, wrote a book called Why Are Casseroles Always Tuna? (laughs) seems like they always are. It doesn't matter if it's tuna. You at least thought. You you brought something over. And just like you said, I may not know what to say, but I can bring you a casserole.
1: Kind of funny you say that. It wasn't (laughs) tuna in our case, but with our parish family. Uh, it was Big Ziti. Okay. We had, uh, yes. in, in two days, three mm-hmm. different oh, pans of Big Ziti. <laughs> so we kind of laughed about that.
2: And one of the things that I would do if you have little kids when that happens, give them a piece of tape and a pen, have them give the tape and the pen to whoever brings in something and put the name on it because you'll never remember. Right, it. Right. And it gives the kids responsibility, which they want, and they want to feel part of it. Let them help pick out caskets. Uh, when my father-in-law died in a snowstorm, his uh, wife picked a casket that had a white heady, uh, you know, the, the silk on the top mm-hmm, of the casket mm-hmm. with a bare tree. And one of our children, who was only five, said, we can't have that one because Grandpa died in a snowstorm. And it looked like a snowstorm with a bare tree. Oh, wow. And so we got a different casket. I mean, wow. kids are so insightful, yeah. you know. We wouldn't have thought of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, five years old? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, talking with Dr. Jerry Cox this afternoon on marital relationships after the death of a child.
0: Stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Jerry Cox. Gods One body. On One Body with Ken Billinger, interviewing death and dying sociologist Dr. Jerry Cox. And now, here's Ken.
1: Talking with Dr. Jerry Cox, uh, of course, who is here at Fort Hayes State University and um, uh, has a whole list of things. Boy, you're a busy guy. Yes. Yeah, it's just very I
2: just returned from Chicago a couple of days ago and I'm heading off to uh, British Columbia to do a presentation up there. And Is that right? Yes, I I get around. And you're still running too? Yes, every day. I even run in other countries. I've run in over 30 countries now. Wow, that's incredible. Yes. That's incredible. So um, let's
1: talk a little bit more. We we were talking about how couples can help each other and mm-hmm. the grieving process and all that. You just continue there.
2: Well, as Catholics, we're supposed to um, I guess it'd be our duty to follow uh, our beliefs. We're supposed to comfort those who mourn, feed the hungry, and all kinds of other things of that sort. Our bonds go beyond the grave, and part of this is preparing for our own heavenly journey, and we ask the dead to pray for us, to help us get there, and we keep our bonds with them, which I talked about before. Catholics would argue human love's imperfect. I'm sure you're not a perfect husband. I'm sure I'm not either. Not even close. (laughs) (laughs) But those in heaven love us, even though we mess up. And we should love them as saints, because they are. And hopefully we're going to be too. And the one thing the Catholic Church teaches that I think is terribly important is the power of forgiveness that God forgives. And Catholics focus on forgiveness rather than condemnation. I, I made that point before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Um... We can cry when a child dies. You remember when you were a little kid, or even when you had a little child? The child may cry when you leave the room. Mm-hmm. We cry when they die, yeah. but eventually we get back in the room with them. We'll be in heaven with them. And if we keep that in mind, I think it makes it easier. And I did want to make a comment that aside from all this, I'm so glad you started this radio station and that it's going well, and I hope people do support it so. I, yeah. I'm just thrilled that it's going on here in,
1: in Hayes. It is it is exciting and it's been the sport's been great and we want to keep that going. Okay,
2: so good. You bet. We all have talents and gifts and you're using yours, and that's good. No matter what our talents are, if you look at the lives of saints, and I'm sure you have, mm-hmm. they did everything. Um, our son's a, a priest in a parish in Santiago, Chile, and they have two saints in his parish. One was a fellow named Alberto Hurtado, who was canonized with Padre Pio. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of Padre oh, yeah, Pio. Yeah. Alberto was a, a poor kid who lived in the parish, and he became a priest. and He bought a pickup truck. They still have that old; i's like a 1953 Chevrolet pickup, and it's still there. You is can that see right? it. Wow. But he drove around the parish and he helped people build homes. and They've now built over 32 million homes in Chile in his honor. The government took the project over and, and is still doing it. Wow. And he became a saint. But he, he became a saint because he cared about the poor and he ministered to them. I think the, the current pope is a model of that. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's great that we got him as yeah. a pope. Right, right. And, of course, he was in South America like my son is right now too. Yeah. So that's great. Wow. But at any rate, the, the point is we're called on as Catholics to use our talents. Maybe it's to, to be a woodworker or to be a parent or grandparent or It doesn't really matter what it is. We don't all have to be popes. We don't all have to be... Rich or Donald Trump or whoever, you know, we we have things we can do too. Sure, and you're making a contribution too. Yeah,
1: well, I tell you, this has been. It's it's always fun to come back. It's always fun to to be a part of this. And and uh, I told Donetta, I said, I guess as long as you want me, I'll be here. So (laughs) we we appreciate that. When the sacrament of marriage takes place, we pledge allegiance to one (laughs) another until death. Uh, till till death do we part. When a couple lives out this message and a spouse dies. What are some of those issues the surviving spouse deals with? I know this oh, morning yeah. we had a, <clears throat> a chance to talk this morning with Peggy Walshman, who obviously she deals with the elderly mm-hmm. and, and with hospice, mm-hmm. so she shared some things, but uh, share yeah. your thoughts there.
2: I, I see two basic models that tend to occur. If you've had a long marriage, uh, if you've been married 50, 60 years, whatever, and, and you know you've had a good relationship, either yeah. you die of a broken heart very quickly or you have the strength to go on knowing you're going to join them someday anyway. And uh, those are the two things I see most often. And and I think, I know people who simply can't live without their spouse. One of my cousins who is retired military has been married uh, for 65 years to the same woman. And she's the only person he ever dated, and he's the only person she ever dated. Mm. Uh, They've always, and they're very best friends even now. I'm positive when one dies, the other will too. Because they just have done everything together ever since they were in the fourth grade. They've always been best friends. Yeah, I've always heard of that dying of a broken yeah. heart, and mm-hmm. that's... Emil Durkheim said that years ago, and it was poo-pooed by scientists, but I think now we have enough evidence it does happen. Yeah, yeah. I-, I think that's very true.
1: I, uh, I, I guess I can speak to that because Patty just lost uh, an uncle last September, I think it was, and... Uh, and then her aunt passed away just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it was—I yeah. mean—it was a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And she had another uncle on her father's side. They—they
2: they were within days of each other. Yeah, and it's not uncommon at all. The—the yeah. the other model, you were together a lot of years, you really loved them, but they would want you to go on. And there are people who are able to and remarry. I don't think there's any problem with getting a new spouse if your spouse dies. I don't think the other person, if they really loved you, would be unhappy. If they didn't love you, they might be unhappy, but if they did, I think they would be happy <laughs> for right, you. Right. Um, one of the things Donetta mentioned that I think all of us need to learn to do is is there are healthy ways to to respond to grief. She said that she kept a journal. Um, I think they're writing letters like I mentioned before, humor, the value of laughter. Uh, Elie Ely Vazell, I, I host a conference every year on Death and Dying and Elie Wiesel came a, a couple years ago and he said that in the concentration camps when he was a child there, that they would tell jokes about the guards and things and that's how they survived. They used laughter. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, laughter leads to inner peace, humor does. And with, with dying children, I remember uh, one little boy that I worked with years ago was having trouble. He had to go back to school and he didn't really want to. He's afraid the kids make fun of him. I said, when you get in there, ask the teacher if it's okay. Go in front of the classroom. Take off your hat and take off your wig and say, okay, everybody, look, and put it back on and smile. Make sure you smile. And so they'll all laugh with you, not at you. And he did, and he said it was never a problem after really? that. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. You just have to be able to use to laugh with other people at yourself too. But get them laughing with you, not at you, is the key. Sure. And so find ways to have fun. With little children, drawing, puppeteering, I mean, there are hundreds of things. But with with older people, I think uh, journals. Of course, today, I I guess kids would be very much into the uh, technology of making memories. That's important, too. But remember, life is both blessing and burden. There are good and bad things. And if there weren't bad, wouldn't it be awful? If you had everything you ever wanted, it would be boring, I would think. And as I mentioned before, Harold Kushner wrote when bad things happen to good people and not if bad things happen to good people. I expect bad things to go on out there. I hope they don't, but they do. Right. And I'm sure you've had your share. You're uh, sure. sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and how do you deal with them? When your spouse dies, if you've been married 30, 40, 50 years, you've already learned to deal with bad things. And so you just keep doing what you've been doing. And the advice I give people for grief is you already know how to cope with things. Just do that now, too. Uh, when you're, you get a flat tire, do you stand there and kick it? Or, you know, nope. do you, okay, you deal with it. Right. So deal with it. Sure. And when your spouse dies, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And know that they still love you. Of course, if they didn't love you when they were alive, they won't when they're dead. But <laughs> assuming they loved you when they were alive. Right, yeah. right.
1: Well, that's great. Ed. Dr. Jerry Cox, Ph.D., Professor Emeritus of Sociology at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. You've been a busy guy, obviously, and, and uh, uh, I just, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming in and sharing time with us. I know you drove in from, you're at Solana, is that right? Yes. And we appreciate that so much. And, and uh, kind of share with us how we as a faith community can help those who've lost a spouse or, or a parent or even a, you're dealing with the loss of a grieving child.
2: Well, we've already covered a lot of the ideas, but basically— the loss of a child, right. I should say. Being there for people is the key phrase. Just be there. If it's your neighbor, go visit them, go, go spend time with them. If it's a church, you know, go to mass and have masses said for them and, and do things for them however you can. Most churches now have a, a, a ministry for people when, when someone dies, and so they would probably already have that in, in place. But um, let them know that you care and let them know that if the evil can go to heaven, this good person is already there. And so you don't have to worry about them. Mm-hmm. The, the grief we feel is for us, not not the deceased. Right? You know, because right. we're the one missing them. They're they're fine. We're not. Yeah. And so you have to help them understand that there's no easy way to grieve. There's no easy way to die. I, I wish that I could give you a manual and say, okay, do these three things, and your grief's over. It doesn't get over. I, I for years I've had people tell me, when do you get over grief? You don't get over grief. Uh, you just learn to live with it, as I've said before. So, the the best thing you can do is is to be there, and then love them for their own sake, not for ours. Um, when when someone dies, like Blaine, you love him because of who he was, not for you. And as a father, you did that anyway, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. you sacrificed for them, and so forth. Are we wallowing in our pity? I think it's okay to wallow in self pity for a while, but there's a point where you have to say, I have to go on. And I think it's okay to be unhappy, but not for so long because they wouldn't want you to be unhappy. They'd want you to have joy and so forth too. And then the other thing, why should we be sad for them? I'm sad for me. And it's selfish to grieve. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to be selfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't do it forever. You have to eventually go on. Now, you're still going to grieve, but you have to do it in a, in a way that's not so selfish, Sure. if that makes sense. No,
1: it does. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, some great stuff this afternoon. And were there any things that we didn't get, a, you didn't get a chance to touch on while, while we've been here?
2: Well, I, we, I, we I, certainly I, have some time remaining. Okay. I think the, the most important thing when you're grieving is to remember not what you've lost, but what you had. We tend to focus on what we've lost. Well, I won't be able, to, one of my very good friends years ago was a professional football player and he had a son die. And he had another son, but the other son wasn't athletic. The one that was like him physically died of of leukemia, actually. He said, you know, Chris would have been in high school now. Chris would have been playing college football. Chris would have been a a pro football player now as, as the years went by. He always focused on what he didn't have. Chris was a wonderful kid. He had him for 11 years. He was 11 when he died. We actually named our oldest son Christopher after him, in fact. But he was a wonderful child, and I kept telling him, Remember Chris was what he, as he was, not what he wasn't. And that's very hard. But I'm sure you've gone through this too and thinking about, you know, what would have been, right. but also, wow, what you had. He was a good kid.
1: Yeah, it, it it that's very true. It's it became one of those things, and and it was the you know obviously going through the grieving, saying why you know why was mm-hmm. he taken so young at twenty yeah. nine, and it's it's it, although it's tough, it's turning that into thank you for the twenty. When we're talking yeah. in prayer, Absolutely. thank you, God, for the twenty nine years we had with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. So turning that around. Yeah,
2: I remember um, when I first started teaching this, I would ask people. Is it worse if an old person dies, or a young person, or a baby, or whatever? What's a day in a life worth? Which is more important—the eighty-year-old who might find the cure for cancer, the one-year-old who doesn't get to play with the toys? You know, whose day is really most important? They're all important. It doesn't matter what age. They're all sad, and and our children—that's our life. I mean, that's us,
1: and we see ourselves in them too. Well, we were, and Patty and I talked about that too.
2: You know, we
1: said. I don't think uh, losing a child at no matter what age, Mm -hmm. whether a child's stillborn, whether a child lives a few days, Mm -hmm. or whether a child's 29, like in our case, I don't
2: think you can say Mm -hmm. one is any less painful than the other. We had one die at birth, and, you know, we never got to know the child. And and they wouldn't even tell us what sex it was. And in those days, they didn't, you know, do anything except get rid of them for you. So, you know, I always imagine it's hard to think about, you know little girl, little boy, she would have been this old now. And, but if the baby hadn't died, we wouldn't have had the next child because she got pregnant before um, we expected, you know, and mm-hmm. we weren't even planning it, and, yeah. and we loved that one too. So, sure. you know, uh, sure. who knows? It, right. it, it's, when we ask the whys, I don't think we get answers. That's part of the problem. Right? You know, I keep saying, why did that happen? But yet, if it hadn't have happened, it's kind of like when I was in the Peace Corps, years ago they had a revolution and we got locked up and a lot of other bad things happened. and I got sent back to the United States unexpectedly when they let us out of prison I wouldn't have met my wife if I hadn't been locked up because I'd still been in the Peace Corps at the time where I would have met her and I wouldn't have had my children so apparently it was meant to be even though it wasn't much fun at the time it turned out to be good
1: well and that's for us the other thing we we tried to do with this is turn it into a positive we've created a fund and and uh, Blaine was an Eagle Scout Mm -hmm. So we've turned that into something. We had an event last year, very successful, thanks to an incredible family that that we mm-hmm. have, that our, Patty's family and and my family, just got together, did that, and it was an incredible event. And it's something we're going to do annually. And uh, part of it's a scholarship at Fort wow. State. So, you know, some good things uh, that we want to really we want to really mm-hmm. make it, uh, you know, keep his memory alive that way. So, uh, we have the the opportunity to do that, and that's been a real blessing. It's been. I just, it's kind of interesting, the morning of the event, we had a run, we had a 5K run here, and we'll do one again, it'll be a 5K and 10K in September, and yeah. uh, what just amazed me is I stood and just watched mostly family, some friends too, just as they were setting up that morning, and I was just in awe, wow. going, wow, look at this! these two families just mm-hmm. get together and really make things happen. And so that's the that's the power. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you, you talk about the importance of family and the support, and we had that both families, um, and that was that was huge. And then mm-hmm. of course our, our our faith communities were incredible. So good. Yeah, and yeah.
2: the priests were helpful too.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. We had we had our pastor, or parish uh, pastor there, and then uh, Father Mike Scully, of course, was mm-hmm. a family friend, and oh. uh, he he um, did the funeral and. And just having him there, and of course, Blaine had him at, uh, when he mm-hmm. went to T.M.P. So, it was a, a good tie-in there too. So, it was good. Yeah. But that that community, the parish community, and the family just it, it's huge. That that
2: support is so huge for that. I know uh, T.M.P. does uh, when they have their alumni masses every year. They remember the people who died who are uh, graduates of there, and mm-hmm. they went through the list when uh, Chris did the mass our son a couple years ago. And they listed all the people in his class and other classes who had died, and I think that is very important, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that memorial. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Any final thoughts that we didn't get covered? I, I oh, know he, it was I'm great sure to there's have hundreds, you come in.
2: But
1: <laughs> Yeah, because we, we still have a, a few minutes left, okay. and we've got about ten minutes if you need it. We, well, well it.
2: in terms of, of family life, we need to live every day as if it's our last, but expecting that it isn't so we can look forward to tomorrow, too. If you knew you were going to die today, day, would you do anything differently? And if you would, then you ought to do something differently. I said that to uh, one of my classes a few years ago, and one of the students in there was uh, uh, he worked with people who had uh, drug and alcohol problems. He quit his job, went back to school, and now he's a superintendent of schools at a school here in Kansas. And I, I felt so badly, I said, You quit your job because of what I said? He said, Yeah, I'm not happy with what I'm doing. I want to do something different. And he had kids, and he had all these you know, things going on. And I could give you a 100 stories just like that where I said something like this, but basically the point is you need to live your life that you want to live. And if you're not doing it, then change your life like you did. I'm sure this is a new job for you, so sure. you made a big change. And I think that's important. It isn't how much money we make or how famous we are. It's are we happy. And if you're happy, your family's going to be happy. And if you have someone in your family who hates their job they're not fun to live with. Yeah. Encourage them to change. Yeah. Um, my wife comments often that I've been, I was a tenure full professor at three universities. I wasn't afraid to change jobs. And I think if you have reasons to, I, I moved to where I was in Wisconsin to be close to family. And, and it was very good that I did because my mother died soon after that and my father just recently died. So I was closer and that was a good thing. If I'd stayed here, I was 14 hours away. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed like a good idea. At the same time, I did like Hayes, and I missed that too, but we need to do what's important. And if families don't encourage that, I want you to just make money and be a banker even though you hate banking. When I was uh, very young, I worked part-time in a bank uh, while I was going to school, and they offered me a job as a branch manager. I hated banking. And they said, but you'll make a lot of money. And I thought, I don't care. It's not important. And I made the right choice. I've enjoyed teaching and so and meeting people like you. It's, it's sure, just been well worth it. Sure. So well, we really appreciate you coming. Well, I really appreciate you inviting me. It's been yeah. wonderful. And I, I'm so thrilled with this station. I'm, I hope we get it in Salina before long. Yeah, that will be great. Love to hear was, you.
1: This was great. And it was glad that, I'm glad we got to reconnect yes, again and I am then too. Talk, talk. Well, thank so you. Thank you so much. Dr. Jerry Cox, okay. our guest this afternoon, is Professor Emeritus of Sociology at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. And we appreciate him so much and, and him coming in.
0: Thank you, Dr. Jerry Cox and Ken Billinger for this great interview. If any of you have any questions for Dr. Cox, please email them to comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S, at dvmercy.com. That's comments at com. If you can help support this show in any way, we ask that you please go to dbmercy.com and click on the Donate button, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, 101.7 KJDM Lindsburg salina 105.7 KMDG-Hayes, 88.1 KRTT-Grey Bend, and 88.1 KBDM-Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not body. your hearts. One body, one body. Stu God's creation.